Good morning, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for God's word today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am one of the people here on staff. So glad to be with you. Again, my name's Glenn. Happy July 4th. As we think about the 4th, one of the things I love about July 4th is that it makes us unplug from all the shenanigans that go on on Facebook and all the fighting and problems and issues that we got, which are real. They're big. They're obvious. But it stops, stops us. And so we can just say thank you. Because when you think about it, we, we've got problems and issues, don't we? But I mean, is there any other place in the world that you would want to live than America? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. We live in a place where we have freedom to worship. Yes. Yeah. We can clap for that. Oh man, man. I'm, and of course, I'm thankful for all the men and women who lead this wonderful nation and the people who've literally paid their lives so that we can have the freedoms that we have. What a good, good thing. Good, good thing. Well, as Candace mentioned, we are launching a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. It's called I'm In. So if you're in, I want you to hear you say, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, you're with me this morning. Loving it, loving it, loving it. So this week, we're going to talk about how I'm invited, how we're all invited to be a part of God's family. Next week, we're going to talk about how I'm invaluable, the intrinsic, unbelievable, wonderful value that you have in the kingdom of God. And the last one is I'm invested. I'm a part of something great and bigger than, I, than me. Anyway, so today we are going to jump into God's word together. If you would open up your Bibles or the wonderful, easy to use Union Chapel app, we've got a link right in there for it. You're gonna turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter seven. We'll start in verse 36. So thank you for standing. If you're able, in honor of reading God's word, we base our lives on the power of scripture. Verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender and one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then Jesus turned toward the woman and looked at her and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this one who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you. You may be seated. May God speak to us through the power of his word. 
And so as we're talking about I'm in, as we're talking about how I'm invited, one of the most awful feelings we can have is to feel not invited. Isn't that right? To feel rejected. And I'm reminded of, I was sitting around with my serve team and one of our things to kind of get to know each other was to share something about yourself that nobody else knows. Well, I'm a pastor. I've told everything about myself a bazillion times. I was trying to rack my brain and think of something about me that nobody knew. And it's this, when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade, I didn't want anybody to know my middle name. My middle name is Albert, by the way. I know you're curious. So Glenn Albert Griner, G-A-G, gag, you know. I get it. Thanks. Thanks. Feeling the love. But I want you to know that despite all that, I was king of the fourth grade. I was. I reigned supreme in fourth grade because, you know, they had these, these fitness sections that you would do in PE. And back in the good old days, they would do all this stuff and they would weigh you. And so whatever your weight was, they would put it on this chart and they would put it up in front of everybody. And I remember I was the king of the weight chart. Me and Aishala, she was queen with me. And so they told in front of everybody, we get to stand in front of everybody, they get to clap for us because we're so fat. <laughs> and so I get it, I get it. You know, I wasn't the one who was picked. You know, fat kids can't play kickball. You know, he got made fun of and we all got made fun of, didn't we? But despite all that, we can feel lonely and unimportant. And you know, the real reason I didn't want them to know that my middle name was Albert I was afraid someone's going to say, hey, 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 there's Fat Albert. (laughs) The things we worry about as kids, oh my goodness. But when we grow up, the stakes go up, don't they? Probably some of the people I'm talking to right now, you were making plans, wanting to get together with some friends or family. And then all of a sudden, your phone's blowing up and You see these people having a good time. Hey, I know them. They're my friends. And I just asked them, what are we doing tonight? And it feels lonely. And you feel unimportant when you feel rejected, don't you? And sometimes we can take that same feeling and we can transfer it to the church. And this is a place where you should never feel uninvited. This is a place where you should never, ever feel lonely. And sometimes this tragic thing happens and we can take that same feeling and transfer it to Jesus himself. And friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are invited. Which brings us to our first point today. Check it out on the screen. Jesus invites the people that others reject. You will never, ever be rejected by Jesus. I want to tell you a little bit about Simon the Pharisee. He's having this party. Now, this is not like the party you're having later today. They're not grilling dogs and burgers. They're not chilling out, playing cornhole, playing some fun music and having a good time and kicking back. No, this, this is kind of a snooty party. Because what would happen is that he would invite all of his smarty pants friends And they would stand around and talk about all these important things. They would talk about theology. They would talk about news. And they would show off their knowledge. Now, also, but they would invite the whole town. Not to their party, but that they could watch on. And so here's what would happen. Simon, he's hosting the party in the outer room of his house. They open the front door. The party's happening right inside the room. And then the people who are kind of important, they would get to gather on Simon's front porch. And then the rest of the people, like you and me, we could like hang out in the yard so that we could listen in and see what's going on. Now you're wondering, why in the world would anybody sign up for that? Well, back in the day, there were no newspapers. Well, I guess I could explain what newspapers are to you later. But anyway, <laughs> there's, there's no TV. 
There's no Netflix. There's no Instagram, no Facebook, and no gaming, and, and no TikTok. I know it's awful. It's awful. A world without TikTok, what would it be? And so everyone's around. And also, just so you know, the word got out that Jesus was showing up to their snooty party, and so everybody was there. And then this sinful woman walks past all these people right across the front porch and into the front room. Just as a hint, whenever you see sinful woman or some statement like that in the Bible, it's a code word. It means that she's a prostitute. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her, but here's what we do know. She didn't choose this job. Nobody wants to grow up and be a prostitute. I mean, think about it. At Christmas time, when you go shopping, you're not going to be able to walk in the aisle of Walmart and see prostitute Barbie with the brass pole. That's, that's not going to happen. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody does. Nobody, maybe that, maybe we'll have to edit that part out. <laughs> Stick to your notes, Glenn. Stick to your notes. Okay, back to the message, back to the message. By the way, I never got the brass pole thing. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Move on, move on. When we think about this woman, we don't know her story. We don't. Just maybe this was more common than you would think, but maybe both of her parents died. And she found herself in a desperate situation trying to provide for her siblings. And then it happened and she got paid for it and now she can't get out. Or maybe a little bit more innocent than that. Maybe, maybe this new guy came to town and, and he was saying nice things to her. And despite the tensions from other people saying, hey, back off, he said, do you love me? You said, yes, I love you. He said, if you love me, you'll do this with me. She felt uncomfortable. He said, if you don't love me, I'm going to leave. And then she did that. And then he left town and left her with a baby. And so in that day and age, she was scorned and shamed for that maybe. Or maybe something even worse than that happened. Maybe she was abused by someone that she trusted. And then because of that, she was, she's, she's stuck in this cycle of shame. And that's the only option that she had because she was unemployable. You don't, you don't give your baby up for adoption. We don't know her story. We don't know the details, but we know that it was awful. We know that every single place that she went, people looked at her with disdain. People looked at her with shame and scorn and hate in their eyes. And every time she went to work, she was abused and hurt. She would have felt very, very ashamed. And friends, that's not how Jesus wanted her to feel. And that's not how Jesus wants you to feel. That's not how Jesus treats people. That's not how Jesus will treat you. You know, we have a policy here at Union Chapel. Our policy is this, everyone will be loved and accepted. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we will love you and accept you. Now, we're not going to go, yay, 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 your sin. We love your sin. We're gonna, but we love you no matter what. Why is that our policy? Because that's Jesus' policy. One of the things I do here is I pray for people. Lots of times I'll go to the hospital, uh, pray for people who have surgery or sick. And also, I love going to the hospital and praying for people who just had a baby. It's so fun, so meaningful. And this, this has happened many, many times. So I, I walk into the hospital and there's some young woman who's just had a baby. She's not married. They realize that it's Pastor Glenn and then her eyes go down. And what do I do? I walk over there. And I say, how are you doing? How's this little baby of yours? 
I smile at her. I say, can I hold your baby? This is so wonderful. Do you guys have an understanding of how much fun it is to hold this freshly newborn little one and pray the blessing of God over them? It's great. It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, as a church, we step in in those moments because her friends aren't there. The father may not be there. And we say, you're invited. We say, we love you. We say, we love your baby. We say, you are precious. Your baby is a gift from God. And you've heard it said before, it will be said again. Accidental pregnancies happen every single day. But there are no accidental people. There are no accidental babies. That means you, no matter what your story is, you are not an accident. And Jesus loves you. That does deserve an amen. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I imagine not too many of you are prostitutes, but, but we all know how this woman feels. Now, you can tell me whatever your problem is, and we've heard a lot of them. I promise you, you're welcome here. You are invited. That means regardless of your sex life, whatever it is, like whatever it is, you're invited. You struggle with doubt, like big time, come on in. You're welcome here. Maybe anger and rage are chew up your heart and you struggle with that and it keeps coming out and it makes you crazy. You're welcome. Come on in. Come here. Come with us. Maybe you have a chemical addiction or a gambling addiction or a food addiction. You are invited. And when we say you're invited, we mean it. You know, we support Brianna's Hope. It's a wonderful ministry that's just blossoming all over our area that helps people deal with recovery from addiction. And we are so happy because in the last few weeks, the women from the Winchester House have been able to come back here and worship here at Union Chapel. And these moms are working through addiction and trying to get their babies back in their homes to get independence. And we love them. We love them, love them, love them. I just got an email from one of them a couple weeks ago. And she says, I want to get baptized and I want to dedicate my baby here. And I say, bring it on. Bring it on because you're invited. You're welcome. And just so you know, just so you know, Union Chapel, we're in the middle of something that has unbelievable potential. You and I, we're going to be a part of a church planting movement that's going to blossom across prisons all over this area. You watch it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Why do we do all that? Because Jesus says, you're invited. Jesus says, everyone is welcome, and that includes you. Which brings us to our second thought today. Check it out on the screen. It's that Jesus invites me into a love relationship with him. Now, if you're taking notes on the Union Chapel app, it's going to bleep at you or whatever, because, because I want you to type in your own name. Don't type in the word me. Type in your own name because I want this to sink in with you. I want you to realize that Jesus wants a love relationship with you personally, with you individually. And that's what this woman does. She stands there and she's just receiving Jesus' love. I want you to imagine the picture. You know, in the day, they don't sit in chairs around the table. They're reclining. And so Jesus, he's, he's kind of laying down. And so his feet are kind of sticking out and she's standing there and she's just weeping. Her tears are dropping on Jesus' feet. And she's receiving Jesus' love. She's looking at him. He's looking at her. And everything else seems to fade. 
And so Jesus wants you to have that connection with him. He wants you to know that you can come to him with whatever issues that you have and that he wants to love on you. He wants you to feel precious. He wants you to feel accepted. He wants you to feel adored and treasured. You see, when we experience the love of Jesus, nothing else matters. Because Jesus was the only person in that room who was looking at this woman kindly. And it didn't matter to her because she knew that she was receiving love from Jesus. I also want you to know that when we're in a love relationship, it goes both ways, doesn't it? So, but she loved Jesus back in beautiful, beautiful ways. We talked about how her tears were making Jesus' feet wet. And then she decided, you know, Jesus' feet are dirty. They're muddy. And I need to wipe them. And so what does she do? She takes her hair and begins to wipe Jesus' feet. Now, here's what we don't get. Women did not let their hair down in public. I mean, if a husband came home and he said, hey, babe, where are you? I'm home. And then her hair's down. He's like, oh, it's going to be a good evening. But she just looks past all of that. And she says, Jesus' feet are dirty. I've got to clean them. And so she starts wiping them. And just by the way, if someone, if I invited you to my house, no matter who you are, it didn't matter if, if you're like a worker or whatever, and you come in my house, I'm going to wash your feet because that's what they did in this culture. But Jesus' feet didn't get washed by Simon, but they did by this woman. And then she starts kissing Jesus' feet. Now, could you imagine this? Like split ends and mud, and she's kissing Jesus' feet over and over and over. Now, just so you know, it was a very common, respectful thing to do when you invited someone to your house, you gave them a kiss. Now, I'm not talking like a, you know, double hand on the face, you know, wet one on the lips. That's not what I'm talking about. We've all seen people in France. We have friends who are French. It's just the mama thing. But it's a very huge sign of respect. And so next time you see Pastor Greg, show him some respect and love. And give him a big, big wet one right here. Just say, love you, Pastor Greg. Giving you. Yeah, okay. I'm so fired. Here she is kissing Jesus' feet. Now, Jesus was the honored guest, and tradition would say that his head would have been anointed. It's a great sign of respect. We see it all through the Bible. It's symbolic of God's blessing and the presence of his spirit and your respect and love for a person. But no oil on Jesus' head. But here's this woman. She takes this alabaster vial and pours this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And see, if you've been around church a while, we know about this alabaster jar, this alabaster vial. It may have been something she wore around her neck because what it carried was something incredibly expensive. Could you imagine having perfume around your neck that was an entire year's wages or even more? You see, she can't carry around cash because her clientele would beat her and take her money. And so this is her security. This is her life security. And she chooses to pour this on Jesus' feet. Jesus did not ask for this. But in this moment, she's saying, she's saying, Jesus, you are my hope. You are my security. You are my love. And I trust you with everything. And she begins pouring it on Jesus' feet. And the scent, oh my gosh, the scent filled the room. This is incredibly, incredibly power, powerful perfume. In fact, it was so expensive that nobody in the town had this scent at all. And I confess, I'm a little cantankerous sometimes in case you haven't figured that out. And so imagine, imagine if this woman walked over to one of the Pharisees and poured a little bit of this on one of the Pharisees. He would have jumped up running and screaming to the kitchen sink to wash it off. Why? Because he doesn't want to walk home smelling like this woman. 
And when you think about Jesus, he had this all over his feet. He smelled like her for days. And Jesus loved every minute of it. And so I want you to know, when your smell is on Jesus, he loves it. It makes him smile. When the things about you are on him, it gives him great delight. I hope you feel how personal this is. I hope you feel how intimate this is. Jesus feels that way about you. I want you to check out this third point today. It's a big one. Check it out on the screen. Where you see rejection, Jesus sees potential. There's great potential in your sin, in your failure, in your shame. Uh, what? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Jesus kind of, he does this. Hey, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And the same words that Jesus shared to Simon, he's sharing to you and to me. He said, yeah, there's a certain money lender. One person owed him 500 days wages. That's what a denarii is, one day's wage. Another person owed him 50 days wage. And he forgave them both. Who loves him more? Think about that. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about the price that Jesus has paid for you. It's okay to do a rewind. Think about your failures and your sins. And see Jesus, his love, his grace, his mercy, his power, washing over every single thing that you've done. Washing you clean drawing you to himself. What's happening to you? You're feeling the love of God. The thankfulness of God is welling up inside of your heart, and it's a beautiful, wondrous thing. Romans 5.20 says this, where our sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You see, the, the people who love Jesus the most are the people who've been forgiven the most, and that includes you and me. Now, maybe you're new here and you're checking out Union Chapel, and I got to let you know, be careful before you plug in here because we're a little sketch. <laughs> it's yeah, just who we are. I mean, you're coming to church here. You're coming with addicts. You're coming with home wreckers. You're coming with adulterers and thieves and liars and felons and gamblers. In fact, you name it, we got it. No matter what label you can attach, we've had that. It's been here. They're a part of this church. Here's what we found, friends. Jesus doesn't do labels. He doesn't do labels. Here's something else we found. You see labels, they just cover up the root problems that every single one of us have. Because we're all prostitutes. We're all rejects. We're all failures. We all need the love of Jesus because it doesn't matter. You see, pride is pride. Whether you're sitting in a jail cell, guilty and convicted of charges, or you're sitting in this nice comfy chair or sitting in your recliner. You see, lust is lust whether you're walking the streets looking for work, sitting at your computer or on your phone by yourself, or you're walking into church. You see, selfishness, hate, insecurity, greed, those are all things that we can all identify with. I'm inspired by one of the great theologians of our day, the secular pop star, Julia Michaels. She has a little, little phrase. It's actually kind of a love song about a dysfunctional boyfriend, but that's okay. This part makes a great prayer. And I want you to hear these words. She sings, because I got issues, but you got them too. So give them all to me and I'll give mine to you. And bask in the glory of all my problems because we've got the kind of love it takes to solve them. Yeah, I got issues. And one of them is how bad I need you. 
That's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? You see, what happens to us when we see Jesus in light of our issues, friends, we are filled with the glory and the wonder and the love of God. We say, thank you. We say, Jesus, we love you back. And so we, we, some of you came in, some of you tuned in thinking that my failures are pushing me away from God. And Jesus says, uh-uh, come on. Your failures, your shame, those things that, that you're so ashamed about, Jesus says, I delight in that because I've paid for that. And I want you to receive my love because you can love Jesus in an extravagant way, no matter what you've done. The greater your sin, the greater your love. Now, friends, that's what I call potential. And the next point today, it's really important. I want you to check it out on the screen. It says, accept Jesus' invitation with determination. Have you ever wondered why this woman risked so much just to be at Jesus' feet, just to be with him? I mean, realize this. She was the scourge of the town. Everybody looked at her in a bad way. No one was accepting of her across the board. And so what would possess her to walk across town? Because I'm sure she didn't live in Simon the Pharisee's neighborhood. To walk across the front yard with, with mothers like shielding their sons and their daughters. Don't you touch her. Don't look at her. She's unclean. And then to step on the front porch, walk past all those people, and then right into the outer room where all these judgmental old men were staring at her. You see, I believe, I believe that this woman heard Jesus preach. Now, we don't know this for sure. This is, this is just speculation on my part. But, and I believe that, that when Jesus was preaching to her, that they made eye contact. And Jesus looked at her, and I bet she looked down, but then she realized Jesus didn't look away. And when she looked back at Jesus, she realized that that she was being looked at with eyes of love, not lust, not disdain, but pure love, like the kind of love that can only come from Jesus. Maybe she sensed his divine nature. Maybe she sensed his character. She sensed his acceptance. And I wonder what Jesus was preaching. Now, one of the cool things about the Gospels is that they all contain different parts of the story of Jesus. And if you read in Luke 7, you'll see right before there's this interaction that Jesus has with the disciples of John the Baptist. And this same interaction, Matthew records, and it's a little bit different. The question is the same, but, but Matthew adds this thing at the very end. And I believe this is the message that this woman heard. And I want you to see it on the screen. It comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Could you imagine her hearing this? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus says his yoke is easy, he's saying, I'm pulling with you. I'm pulling for you. I'm by your side. I'm strapped in with you every step of the way, and I am pulling for you. And then something popped out at me, and I don't know if it's true or not. But Jesus, he was talking to Simon about this woman, and he said, from the time I entered, this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. Now, that could be a figure of speech. But what if, what if she arrived before Jesus? 
What if she walked into that room and Jesus wasn't there yet? And she waited. She was determined, determined to meet Jesus, hoping that he would come. And did he ever come? All of a sudden, this woman, she's my role model. I want to love like she loves. I want her desperation in my heart because, friends, how desperate and determined are we to be with Jesus? And I hate to tell you, sometimes me, not so much. But this woman, she's inspired me to wait. She's inspired me to come to Jesus with all of myself. I learned a lot of things this year at Serve. One of them is this, is that it's been too long since I've walked past the distractions and the pressures and the challenge of my own sin and my own life to be at the feet of Jesus, to be in his presence. And so friends, how long has it been for you? However long it's been, it's been too long. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me, walk past life's problems, walk past your insecurities, walk past those distractions with a single-minded focus to receive and give love to Jesus. Come to him. I believe today is your day. Now is your time to come to Jesus. I believe God's moving in your lives. I believe you sense his love in a special way. Isn't it so good to have all that stuff just washed over? To feel so clean? to feel adored and cherished. It's a wondrous, glorious thing. And I, God told me this was gonna happen and I can see it in some of your faces. You're just drinking deeply from God's love. You're drinking deeply from God's grace and it's, it's so wonderful. But there's, perhaps there's even more of you wondering, why is it happening to me? It's happening to other people, but it's not happening to me right now. And my encouragement to you is to follow this amazing woman's example and stand there with determination. Stand there and wait for Jesus. Imagine how long it took for Jesus' feet to get wet. How long did, how long did this whole interaction take place? She's standing there, and then she starts wiping him with Jesus' hair. Then she starts kissing his feet, and she anoints his feet. All that took a while. It took time. It took time. Give time for Jesus so that you can experience his goodness and his love, because Jesus says, you are invited. Jesus says, come as you are. Come now. Come quickly. Come and know my grace. If you've ever felt unwanted, maybe you feel like you failed. You've tried and failed and tried and failed and failed again. Jesus says, you're invited. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me if you feel unshamed. Come to me if you feel unworthy. Come to me with your doubts and your addictions and your hangups and your pain and your baggage. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you freedom. Jesus says these words. He says, come as you are. Come where you are. And come to a Savior who loves you for who you are. Jesus' closing words to this woman and to you and to me. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Spend some time with Jesus together. Jesus, we all come before you and we realize that we believe the lie that we're not good enough. And also, we've held back, haven't we? We've doubted, we've let shame shape our lives and in Jesus' name, we declare that we are accepted. In Jesus' name, we declare that we are loved. We curse the lies of the enemy that has kept us from coming to you. And so together, Jesus, all of us, we, we confess our sin to you. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive us for misusing sex. Forgive us for our addictions to chemicals and food and porn that have diluted our ability to experience your love. Wash us clean. 
And Jesus, forgive us because maybe we've just been lazy, not willing to walk past distractions, not willing to wait. Maybe you're like me and, it, and you can think back and it's been too long since you've let Jesus fill your heart. Well, now's the time. Jesus, together, we come to you, man. If you need a fresh touch from him, reach out to him right now. Jesus, his spirit is moving in this place. Are you weary? Are you weighed down? Are you ready for a touch from God? Maybe if that's you, just between you and me, I'm not gonna make anybody do anything or do anything crazy, but maybe you need a fresh touch. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you're ready for a fresh touch from God, raise your hand. To, yes, good for you. Good for you. Yes, good for you. Good for you. Yes, yes, yes. And so Lord, all of us, as we raise our hands to you, we come to you realizing that you are going to fill our hearts, that your goodness and grace, your peace is coming to us. Thank you that we can receive your Holy Spirit. Thank you that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And maybe you still feel emptiness in your heart like something's missing. Friends, today, right now, you can give your life to Jesus. So here's what we're gonna do. No one prays at Union Chapel alone. Everybody pray out loud. Pray after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you love me. And because of that, I give my life to you. All my doubts, all my sins, all my failure, I give it to you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. You saved me from my sin. You saved me from myself. And now I live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, let's celebrate everyone who's given their lives to Jesus today. It's so good to receive his love. It's so good to receive his grace. And friends, this song is an application of this message. It's time for us to come to Jesus. It's time for us to come to the altar to worship him. So stand to your feet and give Jesus the love that he deserves.